0: Live more within yourself. Always remain a little reserved, even when laughing. Be soft-spoken, respectful, and appreciative of everyone and everything. When you are alone, remain centered in the self. This is really a very profound and very deep teaching. I mean, it presupposes the idea that we are in contact with our inner self. I, everyone, everyone in the universe has a soul. There's the, the inner self, is called the Atman. The individual spirit within us is the Atman. And when we realize ourself as divine, we realize the Atman. There's no English equivalent. It's just the word. We need to always live a little bit more in contact with the Atman and not so completely defined by our external life. I was joking once that I met this woman for some reason, I think she was from a bank, so maybe there was some financial thing that had to be carried out. But after spending about half an hour with her, I actually decided that she was a unique cosmic phenomenon because I believed that she actually had no center. (laughs) I know it's not possible that everyone is a child of God and everyone has an Atman, but it, it really seriously crossed my mind that this was the one exception to the rule. She was spectacularly the most uncentered, restless person I think I've ever met. It was like she was just a rock rolling down the hill in, her, in the way she talked, in the way she gestured. I mean, we, we managed to get through our business. It wasn't like she couldn't function, but she had no resting place as far as I could see. And I thought, my, it must be very exhausting to be her. And it must be exceedingly exhausting for the people she relates to. But maybe they're all just like her. I don't know. You know, many times I've seen, as all all of us have seen these days, people are always posting videos of their children or their pets or some event in their life, whatever it might be. And I'm I'm often very interested, uh, let me phrase it differently, I've noticed sometimes, and it's not like I spend hours looking at these things, but every every one of us Receive some forwarded from somebody something, and some of it is quite entertaining. But how often there'll be some object of, of the filming. There'll be people talking about the filming. There'll be people relating to whatever event is going place. And you'll also hear quite distinctly a television going on in the background. And you, you just think like how many sources of stimulation do people want at the same time? There'll just be a whole a dinner, a whole event, a whole conversation. Somebody filming, somebody, you know, prompting a child to do something adorable simultaneously with the television program going on. How how many distractions can we have? I remember once I arriving in the Los Angeles airport. Um, my parents, when they were living, my my parents' home was down there, and I would often fly down there to see them. So I went in and out of L.A. a number of times. And this must have been some transition, because I remember coming out of the airport, I would think wouldn't have been, just to be fair, it wasn't my parents, because I would fly to the Ontario airport. So this was flying into LAX for other reasons, because it was the big airport. Um, but I remember walking out and going to the island where I was going to pick up the taxi or the shuttle or whatever it was. And I just had the feeling that there was some kind of a, a screaming fight going on nearby. And I looked around, you know, to sort of like, why was nobody else responding to the the violence, which was clearly happening all around us. And I realized that between my two visits, somebody had st- installed a sound system in the ceiling of the, um, you know, just the open air thing that, that I was standing under. I'm standing on a sidewalk there's a ceiling above me so that the cars can come. And of course, I'm in the middle of a multi-lane reality with all these buses and taxis coming and going and people doing like this. And then somebody thinks that we need a sound system above our heads in which they're going to play music. And the music chosen was very, very modern, which meant very dissonant with very little melody, with a tremendously strong beat and somebody screaming. But in all the chaos all that really came through was just that there was somebody screaming, which is what had given me the impression that there was a violent event taking place. I'm actually not exaggerating. You might think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. That's actually really what happened. I really thought somebody was having an emergency nearby. The calmness of everyone else was the clue that I was able to trace it to its source. It's like, how can people live Without being able to rest within themselves, well, the answer is very simple: drinking, drug addiction, overeating, you know, um, incredible stress, stress-related diseases, um, nervousness, divorces, anger. Uh, it just it just goes on and on, and it is because there's just so much noise going on, and we think we're having fun. The more noise we're making. I'm going to just make one more complaint, then I'll go go on. Uh, some well-known restaurant opened in the local area, and f- a friend of mine who is not really part of my circle anymore, <laughs> because he had a, he, he was impressed. He was impressed by popular culture. He was infatuated with popular culture, and so he took some of us to this restaurant. When it opened, because it was a famous restaurant, we sat down. We had our meal. It was impossible almost impossible to carry on a conversation because the room was so unspeakably noisy. Just everything echoed off the walls and the food was fine but the atmosphere was unbearable and as we were walking out I said to our host, the man who'd taken us all there, I said, my goodness, you would have thought when they built that restaurant they could have made the acoustics better. I said, they're going to have to remodel it to make the acoustics better. He just laughed at me. He said, oh, they did that on purpose. He said, because the noisier it is, the more people think it's fun and exciting. And I thought, oh my, our country is really, our culture is really heading in a very, very strange direction. The exact opposite to that, and also bear in mind, when people start drinking, this I was told, I didn't know this, people start drinking, it impairs your hearing. When you begin to get a little drunk, it impairs your hearing. And I don't know whether it makes you insensitive to your own voice or incapable of hearing the others. That's why because i watched this also in the restaurant like the you know the table next to us as they finished their bottles of wine the decibels of their conversation kept going up and i was told it's because your hearing gets impaired when you get a little inebriated people think of this as normal swami says live more within yourself always remain a little reserved even when you're laughing be soft spoken and respectful and appreciative. And then he speaks about positive attitude. Now, he doesn't mean to be soft-spoken in the sense of always just whispering about everything that you say. But what he's saying is don't make unnecessary noise. Don't just be raising your voice and being jocular and shouting across the room and slapping everyone on the back because you think that that, I don't know, makes you a better person in some way. I mean, some people have strong voices Swami Kriyananda himself had a very strong voice he could easily be heard across a room but it was not a he it wasn't an unpleasant voice and it wasn't a strained voice it was a voice that emanated with a lot of force but it emanated from deep within himself if you listen to any recording of him you can hear what the quality of his voice was it was strong but it wasn't loud it, it's actually it was just an interesting voice in that respect but even when laughing, Swami says, be a little restrained. Sometimes you hear people whose, whose laughter is, is raucous and just, um, well, undignified is almost the word I want to use. Now, we're not talking about being inhibited. We're not talking about being afraid to be ourselves. It's very important. Everything has two sides to it. We're talking about having a center, having a, a point within myself where I, where I rest comfortably. And that I don't I'm not always compelled to be noisy and in motion. That I live from within myself. I I know that I have a center and I visit that center on a frequent basis. When I am alone with myself, I, I I am with myself. I am with my higher reality. My my whole way of thinking. I'm I'm using the my, but what I mean to say is our whole way of thinking. Should be to always know what my point of origin is. You see, there's, among other things, that that's the point of rest. That's the point of calmness, that's the point of rejuvenation, is to is to recognize that there's that I have an origin point. I am connected to a greater reality. I am not just, well, a ping pong ball. when i before I found the spiritual path, I was very energetic, and my life was very active. But the way, I described it was I, I described myself as the puck in the ice hockey game of life. Because the game of ice hockey is a very fast moving game and these sticks come out and they're always whacking at that puck and then that puck slides in a certain direction and then somebody else meets it and slides it back in the other direction. And from the perspective of the puck, you really never know where the next blow is coming from. You have no idea where you're going, you you have no sense of direction. You have no sense of identity of your own. So I just felt like life was just kicking me around, moving me in all directions. And sometimes where I went, I wanted to go. Sometimes I didn't want to go. But I was just out of control, is actually the word. Not that I appeared out of control, but I had no sense of my own reality and my own life. And when I was introduced to the spiritual path, even to the very idea that I am part of a greater reality and that I am the immortal Atman. And deep within myself there is this connection to divinity that is where my strength comes from. And in all circumstances I can always go back to that point of origin and that's where my security is. And and and, it behooves me to revisit that point and to never lose complete contact with it which is to say, always act from your inner center and always live more within yourself. In all circumstances, be a little reserved. Always remember who I really am and not let ourselves just get kicked around by circumstance. I remember, and this is one of my earliest memories, not the earliest, but one of my earliest memories. I probably was around two it's possible that I was three, but not much more than that. my brother was my older brother was born, but my younger sister was not yet born and my brother and I were in the back seat of the car, and there were no seat belts or seat child protection at that point. this would have been you know I was born in nineteen forty seven so it would have been around nineteen fifty and um, he was teasing me. He was a terrible tease. And one way or another, well, he wasn't a terrible tease, actually he was a wonderful tease. He was really clever. <laughs> he was very, very good. And he wasn't mean, he was just clever. And I, I often went along with it as much as resented it. But sometimes, you know, things would get out of hand as they do between siblings. And I just remember my mother turned around from the front seat and she scolded us both pretty sternly. And it hurt my feelings. I, I was and am a sensitive person. It hurt my feelings. My mother was wonderful. Both my parents were. So there was nothing untoward about it. It was a perfectly appropriate parental response. But I didn't like it much. And and I felt thwarted. And I felt hurt. And I I crawled down onto the floor of the backseat of the car, as you could do. And, and there was the hump where some you know, major part of the car underneath went through, but it created a hump in the back seat, the floor of the back seat. And I curled up on one side and I put my ear down on that hump, which is a position I I knew about because I often enjoyed that. Because then you could listen to the rhythmic sound, whether it was the tires or some part of the motor, I don't know. But there was a, well, I think of it now as an ohm. There was a steady, very positive hum that I knew was very comforting. And I, I remember curling up there and I remember thinking this, that my mother had hurt my feelings and that on, on the surface of my consciousness my feelings were hurt. But I knew I, I had a place inside of me and if I went into that place um, everything would be just fine. Now this was not dissociation. This was not denial. I have to, I have to say that because it wasn't it was it was a conscious awareness a yogic memory that as a 2-year-old child i already had because our full consciousness is present we're we're thwarted by the size of our body and the, our lack of language and lots of other experiences but our full consciousness is present i knew that emotional suffering was on the surface and that there was a deep level of myself where i would i was fine regardless of what was going on on the surface and i i I also knew that it was a practice. You see, that's what that's what I remembered. If I listened to the Aum, if I concentrated on the sound of the car and just relaxed into myself, I could find that place. Later on, when I came to the spiritual path when I was 19, 18, just before 19, Master spoke of a portable paradise. Everyone carries within them a portable paradise, he said. And I recognized it. I remembered it. And I was determined to learn how to go back there again. It will, because in between I'd lost the ability. So my friends, live more within yourself. Always remain a little reserved, even when laughing. Be soft-spoken, respectful, and appreciative of everyone and everything. When you are alone, remain centered in the self,